Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Um, it's certainly been quite a traumatic week for me. Um, I suppose, really, it's that thing of the unexpected. Uh, I've spent the last week uh, almost uh, being able to, unable, I should say, to walk due to um, something to do with the sciatic nerve and my back and all of that kind of stuff. And also spent uh, a week fasting due to antibiotics, which I was given to help with the back, which didn't help with back at all, but just made things a hundred times worse. Anyway, um, I'm still here. Um, and of course, whenever something like that happens, it really makes you stop and think about an awful lot of stuff, primarily because I was kind of um, unable to move. And so um, you don't have a lot of choice other than to sit there. First thought that came to my mind, as always, is um, how simple um, a little accident, uh, something I was lifting in the garden caused so much pain and also had such a major impact on everything that I was planning to do and due to do that week. And as photographers, particularly as commissioned as freelance photographers, um, we're totally reliant on our health to uh, ensure that we're able to do what we, we want to do and also obviously to meet um, client needs. I often, well, I have spoken about mental health in previous podcasts and this week really made me kind of focus on that idea of physical health so you know that idea of insurances I know this is boring stuff but that that idea of insurances to, to give income when you are incapacitated in that way is really something that um, we all really need um, to think about uh, when we're you know, kind of when things are going well, really, you know. Um, so that's kind of what happened to me in the last week. Despite that, uh, a few things have kind of come to mind, as always. One of the, I suppose, the positives, I always like to try and find positives in anything, really, was that um, I found myself in a position kind of unable to read or look at very much and really only able to kind of listen to the radio and... Um, uh, watch the television. So I ended up binging on um, radio documentaries, which is always fascinating to find out about that, about anything, really. I mean, I'm just always interested in everything and anything. And one of the, the strange things was that um, I found myself watching um, the Beatles animated film, The Yellow Submarine, which is something which I certainly haven't seen since I was a child, I, I presume, when it would have first come out. I can certainly remember being at Saturday Morning Pictures at the Tooting Granada in South London, and as the great white Wurlitzer organ came out of the ground, um, as it would to start a show, um, it would always be playing um, that we all live in a yellow submarine, and that we would all, as children, sing along to that. So it has a, a huge emotional um, pull on me but also it just had a fantastic aesthetic pull and I started to look at it and think yeah that's where a lot of my aesthetic ideas come from from that period there's also great reference in there to kind of collage techniques and a lot of the uh, photographers during the 60s and the early 1970s who were documenting the north of England and people such as John Bulmer, Bill Brandt, um, they, they kind of came to my mind um, in the work that was shown and the collage that was shown. So it was a real unexpected um, inspiration. It gave me 
more ideas to do things. Um, so there you go, a positive out of, out of a negative, but also an interesting journey that maybe we could all look at is tracing back where our particular aesthetic leanings um, begun. What were those initial seeds that were planted in our minds as to how we would see things and how we would interpret those things? As I say, for me, it was it was a revelation. Um, it's a, the songs are also great. And it also, having spent many hours over the previous years having to watch absolutely dreadful children's animated films with my, my daughters, uh, except for Toy Story 1, 2 and 3, which I, I'll, I'll always think are great films. But it made me realise how many of these films had stolen ideas from Yellow Submarine, either knowingly or perhaps subconsciously. So Yellow Submarine is, is my tip, uh, perhaps surprisingly, to return to. It's currently, if you have Amazon Prime, it's currently on Amazon Prime, and you can watch it for free. Um, something else, I suppose, which has been filling my mind over the last week um, is we have an exhibition of the Bill J work. I've been working with the, the guys at Spectrum Lab in Brighton as part of the Brighton Photo Fringe, which uh, in itself is part of the Brighton Photo Biennale, kind of like an add-on as most fringes are. Um, really energetic, fantastic fringe this year. Um, and through conversations with the photographer Simon Roberts, um, Simon was fantastically supportive in putting us together with um, Spectrum Lab as I say, and we're going to have a pop-up exhibition, um, which is going to run over two days to kick off the festival. And we've blown up huge prints of famous photographers photographed by Bill Jay, primarily, I would say, from the late 60s through to the 1980s. Um, and they're going to be pasted onto the windows of the building on the outside. And we're going to put on one exhibition on the Saturday, posted or pasted on the windows. Uh, with text explaining who these photographers are from Bill J's perspective and and were. And um, then a separate set of images are going to go up on the Sunday. A real community thing, because for anybody who knows Brighton, um, the Spectrum Lab is right outside Brighton train station, which most people go into Brighton uh, through. And so as you come out of the station, you're going to see this whole building covered with um, portraits of famous photographers from uh, Tony Ray Jones to Martin Parr to um, uh, Beaumont Newhall, uh, Grace Robertson, Faye Godwin. It's, an abs it's a real mix, deliberately so. Um, as part of that exhibition, um, we're doing an Instagram takeover uh, for this week, running up to the exhibition. You can get full ex uh, details of the exhibition, by the way, on the uh, United Nations of Photography website, www. Uh, United Nations of Photography.com or at the um, Brighton Photo uh, Fringe website 2018. And um, I've never done an Instagram takeover before, uh, although I am on Instagram. And yeah, again, that just made me think, you know, go back just a few years ago, the idea, that concept of the Instagram takeover, that curation of a space with images, um, wasn't really that well known, but now it's become very much an accepted part of the majority of um, photographers' practice. As we know, it can go wrong, as it did uh, during the summer for the World Press Photo, when a photographer took over their uh, their uh, Instagram feed, 
and posted an image on there, and images which became highly controversial. That kind of goes back to some of the discussions we've had in previous podcasts concerning the importance of understanding uh, publishing and understanding the brand of the Instagram account that you're taking over. Um, hopefully, you've been chosen by that uh, that feed, that brand, on the basis of your work, that they feel that it um, is appropriate for how they see themselves and that it's going to obviously extend um, the awareness of their brand, but also at the same time kind of build a community of work around that brand. By not understanding that element and seeing it in a very, uh, I suppose, overly uh, vain way, um, perhaps getting a little bit carried away with the vanity of the project, mistakes can happen and damage can be done to that brand. Now, I can imagine a lot of people listening to this or will be kind of sort of setting back in their seats wherever you are listening to this. But um, that idea of brand is important. I know that a lot of photographers like to perceive themselves as um, artists, and, and that's perfectly acceptable. But at the end of the day, we're artists within a business here and uh, because we want to make much money out of it. And we want to sell our books. We want to sell our prints, whatever it may be. We want to have exhibitions. Um, and so let's not let's not shy away from that understanding of the building of a brand, not only through your work, but also through your creation of your work as part of that brand, as part of that Instagram um, takeover. So that's continuing this week. And I suppose as we come into autumn, it's a little chilly in the shed this morning, which I have to say I personally quite like. Um, a lot of projects which I've been collaborating on over the last few months are coming to fruition. Autumn is a, a time when a lot of those projects do sort of come to come to pass and come to be. And there are a lot of uh, events um, going on, a lot of which seem very exciting. And I don't think it's uh, wrong to recognise uh, that level of collaboration uh, over that time period and then how that collaboration can come together when you actually promote that event that project that that culmination of all that hard work that you've put in so that idea that we are tweeting about the exhibition um leading up to it in the week leading up to it that we're an Instagram takeover comes up to to that point. And also um, this week, which I'll talk about in next week's podcast, just kind of on that uh, turning point, because it's going to happen on a Wednesday evening, we'll be having the first, well, the Scottish premiere and the first screening of the autumn of the Bill J film with a fantastic panel of um, people there who've not yet seen the film to uh, have a, a Q&A at Edinburgh Napier University. Um, once again, huge support and thanks to David Eustace, who is the uh, Chancellor of Napier University, who put himself behind the project and has made it happen. And I'll talk about who's on the panel and how that all goes next week. But once again, um, that idea of collaboration, of working with different people. So not only am I working with people in the commercial sector, in Spectrum, which is a photographic print lab, um, 
within the academic sector with uh, Napier University, but also the photographic sector with people such as Simon Roberts and David Eustace, who is, as well as being the Chancellor, is a, an outstanding photographer and filmmaker. And I highly recommend, if you don't know Simon Roberts' work or if you don't know David Eustace's work, that's E-U-S-T-A-C-E, um, Google these guys, find out about these guys and find out about their work. And also just have a look at how embedded they are in the community and how supportive they are um, of the medium. I certainly know that having spent the last week um, reliant on other people in so many different ways that um, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and asking for a little bit of help. Last week uh, we had a little change to uh, the running order and we introduced Burke Ozel talking about his images at Woodstock in 1969, those iconic images and how they came about. And thanks very much for all of the positive response to that kind of feature. It's going to happen again, <laughs> um, but intermittently I'm just going to kind of drop it in when I think um, it seems like a good idea to do so. And we've got some great people coming up uh, in future podcasts um, telling stories about their work, usually about specific projects. But this week we return to our um, What Does Photography Mean to You? And I spoke earlier about uh, photographers who documented the north of England in the late 1960s and also then moving into the 1970s. And there can be few more important archives than the Amber Collective Archive uh, documenting the northeast of England uh, in that period. Um, if my memory serves me rightly, they started in around 1968, 1969, and initially as a film collective, but they introduced one photographer into their um, their group, and that photographer was Circa Con Titinen, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Circa. Um, great work, and Circa's work is phenomenal. And again, if you don't know her work, check it out, Google her, and check out the um, side gallery who uh, are a, a really um, ambitious and energetic group of people that came out of, of that um, that kind of scene. So check out those guys. And this week it's Circa explaining to us on an audio for no less, no more than five minutes, exactly what photography means to her. The girl on a space hopper. She bounced past my camera down the cobbled lane in Baika, the working-class community in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, where I lived. In her mother's sequin dress, tied with a red velvet sash, her long hair flying, the splendour of her journey was caught in a heartbeat in black and white. It was 1971. From behind, she looks about eight years old, for 40 years, people have been asking me who she was, but I didn't know. Two local women claimed to be her, but turned out not to be. Then, a woman from Manchester got in touch. Other members of her family were in my biker book, and so was she, the girl on the space hopper. She had no idea this image had become one of my signature pictures. It had travelled the world. It keeps on following me, almost as my avatar. 
She tells me she had been the wild child of biker, always dressing up in her mother's bangly clothes. She said, I didn't know where I was going, but I must have got there with that dress on. We met and we became friends. Three other people I had photographed in the 1970s and 80s were getting in touch. As with most of my photographic projects, the catch-up stories too eventually end up as filmed narratives. The space of a story kick-started a new miniseries. Much of the year was spent on editing stories from her and her family, adding and animating photographs not seen before. Her story had a dark side to it. And I was a little nervous bringing the finished film back to her. Her mother and close relatives had gathered to watch the first screening of the film in the mother's family home in Manchester. While digitising my archive of 50 years, I had come across two more frames of the girl on the space hopper taken at the same time, a side view and a front view. They went into the film. When the images became revealed, I noticed the mother taking a sharp intake of breath with a quick glance at her daughter. At the end, the whole family clapped, warm and proud to have had their lives recognised in this way. Three days later, I get a phone call from the mother. She says in a faltering voice, I am so sorry, Sirka, but when I saw the face of the space of a girl, I knew she wasn't my child. It had been a genuine mistake. She asked for the film not to be shown. I studied the face of the space hopper in my photographs and compared it with her image now and I simply couldn't believe it wasn't her. But I didn't hear from her or her family again. A few weeks later I received a message via the side gallery Facebook. goes like this. When I was about eight years old, I was playing in the back lane of Janet Street in Biker. A foreign lady asked my mum if she could take my picture, and she said yes. I wore a black and gold sequin dress with a red velvet sash round my waist over a hand-knitted jumper. I was on an orange space hopper. I am the space hopper girl, not the other lady that's claiming to be her. I know 100% it's me. Well, she remembers the colour of the velvet sash. It's got to be her. So the story will go on. She would like to meet me. Perhaps 
there will be a film after all. This is what I love about documentary. It captures something very specific and intimate. And yet we, the audience, can take ownership of the images and read our own lives into them. These may become stories that the photographer can't walk away from either. Another form of journeying that is as unknowable as it is exciting. Wow, what an incredibly powerful um, piece of audio um, bringing so much to an image, a photographic image. Uh, really moving, I think. Anyway, um, thank you very much, uh, Circa. Um, really incredible. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, I'm really pleased I was able to actually do it, to be honest with you. Um, there was a time uh, this week when I didn't... I thought maybe this would be the first week we would uh, miss out and I wouldn't be able to drag my sorry old body up to the top of the garden. Anyway, thanks very much, as always, for listening, for your input, for your feedback... And I look forward to catching up with you again next week, hopefully slightly more mobile.